Welcome to Meldon Law and Friends. I am Jeffrey Meldon, founder and attorney, partner at uh, Meldon Law, and we are going to have a great show today. Uh, some very, very uh, interesting topic uh, with regard to uh, how we help children who are uh, uh, in danger. And uh, I'll tell you more in a little while, but let's turn to uh, what's going on in the uh, community. Gymnastic team won the SEC uh, tournament uh, last week. They crushed uh, the opponents, and there there was like six teams in the top 15 in the country that they were competing against. So uh, it looks like uh, we're turning our attention now to uh, the NCAA playoffs, and eventually I think you're going to see the Gators uh, competing against Oklahoma, Michigan, Utah, and maybe a couple others that uh, have a good run. So let's see what happens uh, with the Lady Gator Gymnastics. Uh, check them out on TV. They're going to be uh, a lot of uh, coverage as far as what's going on in gymnastics. And that, that's one of my favorite sports uh, to watch. Uh, the men's baseball team won... Uh, the series against Alabama last week, I was at uh, uh, one of the games, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, they did, had great, great pitching, and uh, the Gators, uh, you know, beat a very good Alabama team. Uh, this week they're on the road, but the following week, uh, Auburn's coming to town Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, and Melden Law has given away plenty of uh, – uh, goodies and tickets uh, we can uh, you can check us out uh, at the game we'll have a fan fest going as well as two tickets for the game uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun two tickets uh, for the Friday night game go to our Facebook page Meldon Law and uh, you'll find it there what's really neat is these are great seats uh, they're located uh, right on uh, uh, behind third base. You can see all the action, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So come and uh, check it out. Meldon Law Facebook page. Uh, the softball team, Lady Gators softball team, another uh, winning team, top five team in the country, um, takes on Stetson at home on Wednesday, March 29th. And uh, we are going to be giving away tickets for that. And also, um, uh, we're going to have some giveaways for the winner. Uh, uh, so take a look at what's going on. Uh, very, uh, it's a fun time of the year. Uh, the men's basketball team is out. However, the ladies' basketball team is still in the NIT uh, tournament. Uh, had a big win yesterday. Uh, against Wake Forest, 80 to 63. So uh, they're still uh, in the hunt. Maybe uh, they'll bring back an NIT championship. They sure looked good uh, last night. And uh, that's what's going on. Uh, Hartwood has got uh, some great shows. Uh, check them out. And of course, um, we're here at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. And this place has been hopping. Uh, it's open um, every day starting at 4 o'clock, 
and the food is great. The atmosphere is terrific. You get to see a, muse uh, a real museum with amazing uh, uh, artifacts in it. So uh, come out and visit us at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill in Celebration Point. You can see some of uh, Coach Spurrier's uh, helmets behind me, and that's uh, just a small fraction of the memorabilia uh, that's out here. Uh, however, the, the, the best part is you're going to have a really good time with a great meal, and the uh, uh, team out here gives first-class service. So uh, Spurs Gridiron Grill at Celebration Point, uh, do yourself a favor and uh, have a good time. Actually, now's a good time to come out. Uh, during football season, uh, you had to wait weeks to get in here, but I think now uh, is a really good time to come out and uh, uh, get a, a nice table and enjoy yourself. Celebration Point, uh, Friday nights they have uh, bands playing out here, and that's a lot of fun out on the, uh, uh, the, the grass. The AstroTurf here, uh, has a, they have a really nice uh, bandstand and, and park. So uh, check them out. Um, we have a lot going on at Meldon Law. Uh, we have been uh, in business uh, representing folks in north central Florida for the past 52 years now. And uh, we're very, very proud of the team. Uh, we've been filing lawsuits left and right this week because there's some new laws being passed in Tallahassee that are going to diminish the rights of uh, ordinary citizens in the state of Florida. So uh, we're going to uh, have to uh, sharpen the saw and see what we can do about that. But if anybody is uh, injured in a crash, has an accident, any, anything where they're seriously injured, please give Meldon Law a call, 352-373-8000. We are here to serve, and uh, we're an integral part of the uh, North Central Florida community. Um, I did an audit recently, and far and away we do more to give back to the community than any other law firm in this market, uh, large or small. We are the uh, law firm that gives back to the community, and uh, it's our honor to do that because uh, we've grown our business from the support that folks like you have given us. So anytime you have a need, please give us a call at Meldon Law, and we will give you first-class Ritz-Carlton service um, all the time. We uh, pride ourselves on having the best team in the uh, in the north central Florida area, uh, bar none. Uh, you'll check us out and you'll be um, amazed at uh, the client experience. So uh, we are going to get ready to uh, go to a break and then we are going to be coming back for a great interview with Diana Gassoni, uh, who is uh, the head of the uh, Guardian Ad Litem for the Fifth Judicial Circuit, which care, uh, covers Marion, Lake, Sumter, Citrus, and Hernando County. We'll be back in just a few minutes on Meldon Law and Friends. Meldon Law has been serving personal injury victims since 1971. In those days, Jeffrey Meldon's presence as an attorney in the music scene dubbed him with the nickname, The Hippie Attorney. 
And although times have changed, two things haven't. Our commitment to bettering our community by helping the injured. Albert, are you ready to go to the game? And our love for the Florida Gators. If you bleed orange and blue, Melden Law is the firm for you. Well, I'm joining the band, of course. Since Melden Law is the official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, I want to help. Dad, we're litigators. Let's stick to helping people in the courtroom. Well, can we still hang out and jam a little bit? At Melden Law, we won't back down. I was going down a one-way street, and a girl that was driving her car T-boned me on my scooter. I ended up going for an MRI and discovering that I had two herniated discs. Coming to carry allowed me to not have to worry about what doctor I was going to see or what physical therapist I had to go to. They say, these are the people we trust. You're going to have a great experience there. And I honestly did each time. Call Melvin Law. Your consultation is absolutely free. I was driving behind a lady and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road. And when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had 280 discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melden fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Call Melden Law right now. And I was in an accident. Someone ran red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Melvin because you're going to need help, and they will help you. Call Melvin Law right now. Hey, Sammy, look who's there. Say hi. Hey! <gasps> you again! Melvin Law, Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! Somebody else! Here we go again. Welcome back to Melvin Law and Friends. Uh, I'm here with Diana Gassoni. Is yeah. that how you pronounce Gisoni, it? Gassoni, yes. Very close. Very close. Gassoni. 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 Like a G. Oh, like G. a G. Okay. Gassoni. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, that's... Now we got it. Uh, that's okay. It's a tough name. It's all good. <laughs> we, I like it. I like it. So anyhow, um, Diana, thank you very much for joining us today on Melvin Law and Friends. And I, I already told the audience that... You know, you work with the Guardian and Lighten program Office. for the Fifth Judicial Circuit, right. which is Marion County, Lake County, Sumter County, Citrus County, and Hernando County. Correct. And uh, I practiced there for many, many years, mm-hmm. almost 50 years. Wow. And so I've known lots of the judges and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, what what goes on in uh, – down in uh, that area of right. the state. Right. And um, as a matter of fact, I was involved as a guardian ad litem attorney 
really? uh, as, as a young lawyer. And, wow. And I, uh, you know, I, I was involved in, you know, representing uh, young people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, it, they're very, very difficult, uh, challenging cases. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I mean, these children are coming from abuse and neglect and abandonment, right? So um, they are difficult cases. Um, I often get folks say to me, you know, how do you, how can you do that? How can you do that work? Doesn't it just rip your heart out, you know? And it's, it is difficult in the sense that you're dealing with some real tough situations that these children come from. But I always say on the flip side of that, we get to help these children find permanency, find a safe, secure home. We hope it's back with the parents. We want to see those parents be able to, you know, rehabilitate and, and um, fix the issues that cause those children to be removed in the first place. Children, it's always in their best interest to be raised by their parents if the parents, of course, can give them that safe, secure home. So we want to see that happen. And, but if that doesn't happen and they, you know, end up maybe being adopted, we're part of that process to ensure that they come through this difficult time in their life and become, you know, be in a safe home, be happy, and not, I always say, not fall through the cracks. So as they go through dependency, if they need counseling, if they need tutoring, if they need... Um, any type of specialized medical care, dental care, we're advocating to make sure all of those things get done for these kids. So here's what I want to do. Okay. Start from the top. Nobody. Start from been, the top. Start from the top <laughs> here because nobody listening here, uh, except a small percentage of right. our audience, knows what Guardian Ad Litem right. does and okay. what their role is. Right. So why don't you kind of give everybody the um, bird's eye view mm -hmm. of what Guardian Ad Litem is how, and how it works in the state of Florida. Okay. So the Guardian Ad Litem office, uh, it's all throughout the full state of Florida, and we're part of National CASA. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. So every, every state in the country has some form of this um, type of office. So here in, in Florida, um, the State Guardian Ad Litem office, um, we provide the most vulnerable children with an adult from the community who's going to be consistent, positive presence, I'm reading our mission, <laughs> um, in the child's life. And it's part of a multidisciplinary team. So there is an attorney, there is a child welfare professional, and hopefully um, a community volunteer. So um, we provide highest quality of community advocacy and legal representation to protect each child's legal interests. So. A guardian ad litem is a volunteer from the community. You don't have to have any special background training. You don't need to be an attorney. You don't need to be a, a social worker. You can, anybody from the, anybody who wants to volunteer, 21 years or older, clean criminal background. The only two. And, and, and a good heart. And an absolutely good <laughs> heart and somebody who wants to help children. So essentially what a volunteer does and I'll, and I'll talk about the training, et cetera, in a few minutes because you're not just kind of thrown in there. So the volunteer, once you're assigned to a case, um, we go and see these children on a monthly basis. Now, these children have been removed from their home by the Department of Children and Families. They may be in a foster home. They may be placed with a fit relative. We have a lot of grandparents or aunts or uncles that are caring for these children. Mm -hmm. So we go see the children. Mm -hmm. We spend some time. And we will um, uh, spend some time with them, talk to their caregivers. If they're school-age children, we're also going to be talking to their teachers. How are they doing in school? 
Um, a lot of these children don't have consistency in school, so they're, they're behind in school. They may need tutoring and that sort of thing. If they are in counseling, we're going to speak to their counselors. Essentially, what you are as a volunteer is you are gathering information about how these children are doing. What do they need? And we are advocating for that to happen for the children. Um, we go to court. Every three to five months, we have what's called a judicial review. We go in and we talk to the judge and we let him know this is how, what the child's, uh, how the child's doing and these are our recommendations for the child's best interest. That's essentially your, your role as a volunteer guardian ad litem. We have staffings periodically where you'll get together with your team and discuss the case and say, you know, what do we think we need to do now? What does this child need? And ensuring that they're getting everything that they need. Um, we have some folks that might go, I can't go to court, I can't go to meetings, um, I work full time. That's okay because we have um, where somebody can co-guardian, where you're just doing a monthly visit and those can be done around your work schedule. So, so you'd be visiting with the, the child, child in, yes. the, in whatever home he's being placed at the time. Correct, correct. And a, an example of somebody who would co-guardian, like I live in Hernando County. I have a child that is on my caseload that's in Lake County. So there is a co-guardian in Lake County that goes and sees that child every month for me because it's an hour and a half drive for me. So he actually goes and sees the child about every week for me. Mm -hmm. So that's if somebody works full time and they can't commit to the, you know, going to court because, of course, the judge sets that date and time, right? We can't decide when to go. Um, so they can be a co-guardian and just do a once a month visit or do one time visits. And those are, are in great need as well in, in every county in the state. Um, so there's lots of different ways and sort of different time commitments um, to volunteering with us. And I think that um, most of our volunteers are retirees. Mm -hmm. However, we do get folks, again, that work full time. We also get snowbirds. If you are a snowbird, you can still help. You can still volunteer with us. So there's, there's various degrees of of commitment, of time, and things like that. So um, there's a lot of opportunity to come in and help these kids. How, how do the kids get into the uh, system as far as, uh, you know, uh, recognizing that there's uh, abuse or uh, neglect? Great question. So we know that, so there's a Florida abuse hotline. So a case starts with somebody calling that Florida abuse hotline. It could be um, a neighbor, it could be a relative, teachers, doctors, anybody who observes abuse or feels that there could be abuse or neglect of a child, they call it into the Florida Abuse Hotline. Um, the Department of Children and Families will then send out an investigator. The investigator will go and determine, does that child or children need to be what we call sheltered? And that's when they're removed from that situation and then either placed, like I said, either in a foster home or they could be with a fit relative. So that's sort of how the process starts. Within 24 hours of that removal of the child, there's something held called a shelter hearing. That's when the department or the CPI, Child Protective Investigator, goes before the judge and says, this, these are the reasons why we removed this child. The judge then determines, did they have cause to do that? If so... He grants the shelter. At that hearing, that's when the guardian ad litem office is, um, um, oh, geez, <laughs> appointed. That's the word I was trying to <laughs> Is appointed to the case. Okay. So at, at all shelter hearings in, in every county in the state, um, one of our attorneys and one of our child advocacy managers, that's the child welfare professional that's employed by our office, 
will go to that shelter hearing so they can gather the information about the case and then when the judge does appoint the, the guardian litem office, that information comes back to whichever county office it goes to and they in turn will find one of our volunteers that can take that case. So the, as I understand it, mm -hmm. you, you've got um, uh, children, family services, uh, are they involved in, in, in some way? Yes, absolutely. So um, in, I can only speak to the Fifth Judicial Circuit, which I'm part of, but every circuit has a CBC, um, community-based care. Mm -hmm. So in, um, in the Fifth Judicial Circuit, we have Kids Central. So they're contracted by the Department of Children and Families to um, carry out case management. Mm -hmm. So people might hear the term social worker, and that's what they're more familiar with, is a social worker. Um, so each of these agencies in each county does the case management, but they call them family care managers mm -hmm. or family case managers, and that's the term we're used to. But folks, you might not be familiar with that term, so you're familiar with a social worker. But yes, mm -hmm. they, they carry on the case management. They oversee the needs of the family as a whole. They're the ones that are going to um, provide uh, referrals for the parents. The parents, and I didn't mention this before, when children come into care and a, and a case is opened, the parents are given a case plan. This is something that's drawn up by the case management. The guardian ad litem, we do have input to, to recommend things that we believe should be in that um, case plan. But essentially what the case plan is, are tasks the parents have to complete to get their children back. Okay, so the there's allegations. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of our cases, vast majority, are substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So, for example, they may have in a in a substance abuse case, they're going to have um, they have to do random drug screens. They have to do a substance abuse evaluation. They have to do. Um, um, drug counseling, parenting classes. So these are tasks they have to complete. So those folks, those social workers or family care managers, they're the ones that are referring the parents to those services so they can get them completed. I know that in cases that I was involved in the mm -hmm. past, it was very interesting. Um, I represented a couple who had a child mm -hmm. and um, there was no allegation of, you know, beating or anything like that. Um, they were, the allegation was uh, their house was a mess. Uh, they, um, you know, I, I don't know what prompted uh, uh, the agency, the social workers mm -hmm. to get involved, but mm -hmm. somebody had reported them, probably a neighbor. And um, I think it, it came, uh, uh, it became apparent to me mm -hmm that um, the, it was not, they were not ideal parents. However, they weren't criminals. Right. They weren't um, abusing the child. Right. And not everybody gets um, a perfect home. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's interesting you bring that up because we talk about that in training. Because what you or I, the way we might keep our home, may not be how someone else keeps their home, but that doesn't mean the child's being abused, neglected, or abandoned, right? right. I actually, it's interesting you bring that up because I had a case a few years ago where the children were removed. The house was, the, the father was fine. That was great. He was great with the kids, but it was, it was health hazard for the kids. There were health hazards for the children in the home because it was so dirty and there was a, um, there was, um, like mold and things like that growing. So basically, they were, the children were removed. 
they they got dad some help to get the the trailer all cleaned up and everything and then the children went back yeah so but I, a messy house is not neglect or abandonment. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, I'm sure I, this was 40 years ago. I'm trying right. to remember the details. But that was my argument to the judge, right. which was, look, um, you know, the, the kind of neglect that, um, that was being presented to the court was minor compared to the right. kind of neglect that... Um, you know, you you typically find in these right. cases, right. and that um, uh, the fact is is that the being with the parent is paramount if it can be done. Absolutely, and I think what I've seen, I've been with the guardian ad litem office for eight and a half years now, and I now I work for the program. I do recruiting and training, but I'm also a certified guardian ad litem, so I carry cases just like other volunteers carry cases. And what I've seen over my eight and a half years is that. They, they're not, I, I don't see it as quick to just pull when things, with something like that. If the child is safe in the home and they can put some services into place for the parents to help them and keep the child in the home, they'll do that. And we've had cases like that where the children are still home. They're still an open dependency case, but they don't take the children out of the home and they provide assistance to the parents to, to do whatever it is that they need to do. To make to, to maintain a safe environment, and I think that's a good message for everybody listening or mm-hmm. watching is that um, in the event that you know you see a situation, a neighbor, a relative, somebody where you go, um, wow, you know, I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it you have to look at through through the uh, eyeglasses of. Um, it, is the condition so bad that right. we should try to take the kid out of the house or should we try to contact somebody to help provide the services right. needed? Yes. So, Because I'll tell you what, I mean, I have no idea how uh, single parents sometimes that have right. to work two jobs know, uh, right? take care of mm-hmm. um, kids. I mean, I just shake my head, uh, right. you know, and go... There are heroes. They're amazing, and they're out there. And sometimes, you know, you run into really challenging situations. Your boss is calling and saying, you got to be down there else you're going to lose your job. You know, your uh, 9- or 10-year-old kid is sitting there watching TV. Right, um, yeah. Do you do you leave the nine or ten year old kid? You can't find a relative or a neighbor <laughs> right. to watch the nine or ten year old kid. Right. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, uh, Children Family Services or the police are knocking getting a call, yeah. knocking at the door right. because you left your nine or ten year old kid. Now, right. with a two year old kid, it's a little more clear cut. Absolutely. But with a nine or ten year old kid, right. I mean, I've got grandchildren that are six and seven and you know you sit them in front of a a, a good cartoon they'll sit there for four hours <laughs> yeah. okay and, right and you know yeah. it's like uh, as a matter of fact we take care of our 90 year old my mother-in-law mm-hmm. right yeah and she needs constant attention because right. you know she's you know losing it a little here and there right and then you know is it okay if I, uh, you know, take a walk around the block and leave her alone because yes. she gets up and she could trip, she could fall, she could yeah, do this or that. Absolutely, yes. Do you, absolutely. Now, do you deal just with children or older people yes, as our, well? Yes, our office is strictly with children. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have children that come into care, anything from newborn all the way up to, um, they can actually stay in extended foster care now until they're 21. 
if they mm -hmm. want to stay in extended foster care, go to school, go to college, that sort of thing. And um, but at that point, they're working with folks from independent living. But we'll keep the, you know we have kids from newborn all the way up to 18 years old. Yeah, I mean that we it, that we will um, represent. You know, with uh, it, it, it's not fair to generalize, but I imagine there are a lot of families where um, uh, younger mothers, parents have mm -hmm. kids. They're not emotionally. Uh, prepared, they're not. Uh, they don't have a good job. They're not mm -hmm. set up to succeed as mm -hmm. a parent. Right. And you know, uh, in the old days, kind of the grandparents would jump in and, and right. raise them, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean, what I can tell you is what I've seen again in my experience is most of our cases are neglect due to substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So these children do really they need they need to be removed out of that situation. Um, the parents do need to work on getting themselves clean. I don't see a lot of, again, in my personal experience, a lot of just pulling kids out because or because the house is just dirty. You know, I think that's that's sort of changed a little bit. And we really do. Um, I, th I think there's a perception out there sometimes that, you know, um, Department of Children and Families and even us as Guardian Ad Litem Office, you know, we just want to keep these kids away from the parents. And and we really, I mean, us as a as an agency guardian ad litem, we really want to see reunification for these parents. I mean, that is in the best interest of a child. Again, the parents need to do what they, you know, to make to make it a safe environment for these kids. We want the best <laughs> environment for these kids. But um, but I think that you know, over the years, I I come from a nursing background. I taught college for many years, and I've been doing this for eight and a half years. This is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life. Um, it's probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but again, to me, the tough stuff gets outweighed by the good stuff we get to do for well, these kids. Well, you're helping ki give kids a chance because, future. Uh, you yeah. know, if, if somebody doesn't come in and rescue kids that are in desperate situations, mm -hmm. then they're going to follow the, par uh, the parents' pattern, and, exactly. and, and they're going to wind up, mm -hmm. you know, being, you know, prostitutes, drug dealers, uh, you know, the whole they, shebang, they get, right? And, and they get, and they get, they're, they're vulnerable, you know, they get, they get abused, and they get in their teens, they can get trafficked, or, you know, or, or pulled into prostitution, things like that, because they don't have that stability. Um, I always say to, to the folks that I'm recruiting as volunteers, I always tell them, you know, you don't make a difference. We don't make a difference for a day, a week, a month, or a year. We make a difference and impact the entire life of these children long after the case is closed because what we do, the advocacy that we do while that child is, is being represented by our office will impact their entire life. And that's that, to me. That's pretty profound that we can make a difference yeah. in the life of a child like that. Well, it, you know, it, early on in in my um, career, even before I start moved down to Florida and started practicing law, I worked as a juvenile probation officer okay. for mm -hmm. a year, right. a little over a year, and um, we our job was to do um, uh, an investigation, go to the home, mm -hmm. and this was in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and okay. I was in. I, I was covering all the neighborhoods, right, downtown, right. Uh, you know, where, wherever it occurred. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got, uh, very early on, I got to see 
you know, that some of the challenges that these kids, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, they, they might they might have gone to this. This is a long time ago, but, they, you know, maybe they got caught with a marijuana cigarette. OK. Right. And, yes. you know, yeah. and then the next thing you know, they're arrested, thrown in the juvenile jail or whatever yeah. they called mm-hmm. it. Okay? Yeah. Right. Detention center. Detention. Yeah. Juvenile. <laughs> yeah. Juvenile detention. Right. And, and then you're trying to figure out how to unwind the situation. Mm-hmm. In a good way. They're in jail, right? right. Um, the judge doesn't want to keep them in jail if they, right. they can get let them out of jail because right. they're, sometimes they're, you know, nine, to eight, nine, ten-year-old kids and stuff uh, like yeah. that. And and uh, I'm sure you run into situations uh, like that as well. Yeah. I mean, I have a case right now where one of my one of my kids is, is part of juvenile justice and it's and it's difficult you know it's really difficult because he's such a good kid but he's just had a really rough a rough go a really rough go um and they yeah they they act out they and and what this is what they've seen they've seen drugs they've seen alcohol they've seen domestic violence um one of the things i i was thinking about as you were talking and and when i was mentioning about making a difference for these kids i always like to tell this story to to new volunteers i had a a case a few years back as a teenage boy, he's 14 years old. And when I would talk to him, he wouldn't even look at me when I first started on my case. Wouldn't look at me, wouldn't answer questions. So I had to start asking questions that he could, like, nod his head or, you know. Took a month or so, and then he started opening up a little bit, a little bit more. When I first got the case, it was December of the, the year I got it. By spring, he's, now he's talking to me, and he's starting to look at me. He's starting to trust me, right? We get about a week before the 4th of July, and the caregivers that he had were taking him to a friend's farm where they were going to have all these fireworks. And he asked me to come. And I was like, and I already had plans for the 4th of July, and I'm like, oh, no. I said, I'll tell you what. I have a barbecue to go, but I will be there for the fireworks. And he went, okay. And and I could tell he was like, yeah, sure you will. Because they, they, you know, they've been let down a lot, these kids, right? They've been so many times. When, when I showed up and I walked over, this kid jumped up and gave me the biggest hug. And that's the most emo- – and I started tearing up because that was the breakthrough moment. That was – it took seven months, but that was the breakthrough moment where he realized, wow, she's here for me, and she's going to be here for me, and she does what she's – and that's the kind of impact we can have with these kids. You know, they see an adult now that follows through, that's, that says, listen, I will do this for you I'm going to help you with this or whatever and we follow through and it's not and you know I'm going to preface this a little bit back up a little bit the parents it's not that the parents don't want to do you know when parents get uh, mixed up with drugs and you know that substance abuse it's not that they don't love their children it's not that they don't want to do these things for their children but that disease has got a hold of them right so but 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 the result is these children don't have that adult in their life that they know is can, is going to follow through for them. Um, so it's really neat that we get to have that kind of impact. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it, it's, um, y- you know, you, you see children who are vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, even where there's no abuse, and it doesn't get involved right, with right, court, right? right? You have a divorced parent, and the father or mother is supposed to show up to pick yep. up the kid, and then they're always uh, late, or they cancel, yep. exactly. and the kid gets, yes. you know. Yes. So you can only, you know, be disappointed so many times before Absolutely. you lose trust in right. in in, yeah. in that person. And, right. uh, you know, I... 
I know, uh, you know, I've heard enough stories from, you know, friends of mine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who say that the, you know, the other spouse isn't doing what they are supposed to do. We, and... we get that in these cases, too, where the parents, and, and that, if there's one thing that drives me crazy is one parent pitting them, the kids against each other. Oh. Don't get me going on that one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's like, oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, you're both parents, and uh, you know, uh, we're not going to, uh, you know, uh, we, we're not going to change that. You know, yeah. now sometimes they actually take away parental rights when uh, the parents have been given one chance after another after right. another. Right. What What is the advantage of taking away parental rights in certain situations? Well, here's the thing: children deserve permanency, right? We don't want these children languishing in foster care forever. The parents are given a year to complete the case plan, and that's. That's a good amount of time, and, and they need that much time because some of these programs are quite lengthy. So um, they're given that one year. If we get to that one-year mark, and, he, and here's the thing. Some parents, it takes them a little bit of time to, for it to click, and they go, oh, dear, I better get on the ball here. I better get myself, you know, get these things fixed because otherwise I'm going to lose my children. And so sometimes it might be a few months into the case, and then all of a sudden they go, okay, I'm, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm getting it done. So we might get to that one-year mark. And they just need a couple more months. So they're not done at one year, but they need a couple more months. Well, if they're really fully engaged and they're doing well, we're going to recommend, hey, extend that goal date. Give them a couple more months and let them finish up so we can reunify this family. If we get to a one-year mark and they've done absolutely nothing and they're still, you know, involved in drugs or whatever whatever the case may be, then... Do we want these kids languishing in foster care forever? No. They need a home. They need permanency. So um, so the, the, the Department of Children, or CLS, which is um, Children's Legal Services, they will recommend um, move towards a recommendation of termination of parental rights and adoption. And we as a guardian at Lightham Office, generally that would be our... Um, recommendation as well because again we want these kids to have permanency so you can be in a foster home i've heard of foster parents that eventually adopt kids some do yes yes some some do eventually adopt the adopt the children that are in their care um sometimes they they may go to a family member i actually just had a case close with a family member um a little a newborn baby that was born and um the mother actually gave up her rights um and it was a, another drug abuse case, but it had relatives up north, and we just had the adoption last week, and it's a wonderful thing when they have permanency. So um, sometimes it's relatives that, that will have will adopt the children. So it's very interesting because um, the, the court really bends over backwards to come up with the right solution mm-hmm. as a volunteer, and that's one of the things we want to encourage people to do to, <clears throat> to volunteer and respond. Right. You really have... Um, uh, a, an important role, and I think one of the Absolutely. reasons is that whatever time you have, uh, you can give additional insight. Uh, mm-hmm. The social worker is out there, but they they may have dozens and dozens or hundreds yes. of cases, yes. and they're trying to evaluate the situation in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge you know, maybe hearing the case for eight minutes or nine minutes and trying to come up with the right um, answer based on uh, the recommendations. Right. You know, you've got the, you know, guardian ad litem who's put together a plan. And, uh, you know, the parents, 
typically, um, you know, don't succeed right away. Uh, sometimes, yeah, plan. sometimes it takes a little while for, them to, little. For, for that, for that <laughs> sort of that rock bottom moment, you know, like they, they yeah. talk about when people hit rock bottom and, and that's their turning point. And, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes we have parents, they just jump on board right away and they're, and they're working their case plan. Others taking a little bit of time, others that don't at all. Yeah. Um, but what's important in, in you, when you were talking there, what's important to talk about is, you know, I have folks that say, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm a layman. I'm, I'm not a professional. Is a judge really going to pay attention to me? Absolutely they do. A volunteer is there for no other reason. They've got no ulterior motive. You're not being paid to be there, right? They are there because they want to help children. And they also, volunteers may have the time. You know, you're talking about snowbirds or retirees or people who are, you know, have the the availability of time and want to want to do something meaningful, right? right? Absolutely. What, what could be more meaningful than helping save a children's, uh, a child's life? Right, right. And what I want to be, you know, before our time's up, I want to make sure that folks know, you know, you're not just kind of thrown out there. Um, we do have a very extensive training program. Um, most of it is done online at your, at your pace, so you, so you don't have to be coming into a classroom, so you can work that around your schedule as well. Um, we have some live webinars that you do, and then we have um, the last phase of our training is is a fieldwork phase, and you actually get our volunteers will actually get paired with a mentor. So it's one of our experienced volunteers. They'll work with them for the first couple months on their case. So there's a very good training program. So I don't want anyone to feel intimidated. They go, "Oh my goodness, I can't," you know, "I don't know anything about this." We've got a great training program, a great support system. We have, as I mentioned, we've got a, you work with a team. So you've got a child advocacy manager, that's your child welfare professional. You've got an attorney that's assigned to the case as well. So there's a, it's team advocacy. And so our volunteers are really well supported as they work a case. Is it safe uh, for them to go out? And absolutely, visit yes, absolutely. And if they ever don't feel safe going to a certain area, um, they can always have another volunteer go with them. I have had one time where there was an area I wasn't too sure of, and I contacted the case manager. I said, hey, when are you going to do your visit? And I went with her, and we did it together. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. But, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's very safe. Um, you know, we just do such great work with these children, and we're just in desperate need all over the state um, for guardians ad litem. So wherever you are, uh, reach out to your guardian ad litem. Just Google it. I'm sure well, you can, can find it. They can go to guardianadlitem.org is the state website, guardianadlitem.org, and you can fill out a, a form, put your county in there, and it'll go to that county's recruiter, and they'll be in touch and, and be working with you from there. So, um, again, you don't have to have any um, experience. No. Uh, over 21, a clean record. Right, and uh, just a passion and, and for helping kids. Passion for helping kids. Yeah. So if somebody is living in, say, Marion County, uh, mm-hmm. what, what, and they say, oh, I'm interested in, in, in this program. I'd like to help turn some kids' life around. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a phone number to call or just uh, how does that The best that? thing to do is to go to the, the guardianadlitem.org. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, there's a um, a way to get involved. It says get involved. You fill out a form. You give us your name, your phone number, your email address, and then one of the recruiters will be in touch with you. So it's easy. That, it's super easy, <laughs> and we can provide more in-depth information and the needs. I mean, we've got we've really got a great need in Marion County and here in Alachua County, uh, all throughout the state. So um, it's really easy to get the information, you know, and then 
you know, you decide if it's a fit for you.